Welcome to your new favorite bookish podcast, Fully Booked and Caffeinated. I'm Heather. I'm Kelsey. And today's episode is about the historical fiction novel, The Tattooist of Auschwitz by Heather Morris. This book does deal with the Holocaust. And while I do not plan on dwelling too much on what went on during the concentration camps, I just want to put a trigger warning out there that there will be discussions about some tragic events that happened at the camps whether they're real or false in the story. Just want to put that out there. So before we get into the book, let's obviously talk about the most important thing ever, coffee. What are you drinking? Well, I'm on my second coffee of the day because we're recording this on New Year's Day. And even though we are old, I still had quite a rough start to the day. Um, so my first coffee was an Nespresso Creation Double Espresso Pod Vanilla Coffee. Delicious. And then had to go out and run some errands, stopped at Starbucks, got my usual iced blonde latte, a toffee nut syrup, and I got brown sugar cinnamon syrup today. That sounds delicious. It's very, very good. And it is hitting the spot. That's what we love to hear. Yes. (laughs) What are you drinking? This is also my second cup of coffee today because same. (laughs) Hard same. Hard same. So this morning I just had a typical K-cup with some coffee from the fridge, but my second cup of coffee today is Dunkin' Ice Coffee. And I threw it back because I haven't had it in a while. I got the blueberry and butter pecan mixed together. Mm, and it's classic. The blueberry cobbler, as they call it. And it's still so freaking good. It still hits mm-hmm. just as good as it did months ago. So, Did you see that they have, they're calling it hazelnut bark? Yes. And did I you try all, it? No, and I was going to, but if I hate it, then I'm going to hate myself. So I feel like I need to like get it and then still be in the vicinity of Duncan. So if I don't like it, I can throw it out and get another one. <laughs> yeah, it is good though. Uh, Eric got it yesterday. Oh, okay. And it is good. Yeah, because I saw it was the toasted white chocolate syrup and then the hazelnut unsweetened. Mm-hmm. So I was like, maybe I'll give it a shot. So yeah, we'll it's pretty good. I mean, it's no blueberry cobbler, but it's good. But I like that they're trying to come up with these fun little coffees. Mm-hmm. Like this month, they started the pink velvet, which is like a red velvet espresso flavor. I can't remember if I liked that one or not. That's the same one that was out last year, right? Yeah. And I did try the pink velvet macchiato and it wasn't bad. Okay. So I might try it again. Who knows? Yeah. Anyways, cheers. Anyway, cheers. So Heather Morris was born in New Zealand and she's an international number one bestselling author who is passionate about stories of survival, resilience, and hope. In 2003, while working in a large public hospital in Melbourne, Heather was introduced to an elderly gentleman who might just have a story worth telling. That day, she met Lael Sokoloff and it changed both of their lives. So she used Lael's story as the basis for The Tattooist of Auschwitz, which has sold 6 million copies, and her follow-up novel Silka's Journey has sold more than a million copies worldwide. Wow, that's impressive. It is. So she did a follow-up to this book, which is based on a character that's mentioned pretty commonly throughout Tattoo of Auschwitz. And Mm -hmm. I believe there's like a third book that she did based on sisters. Okay. But they weren't mentioned in this book. I think it's just a completely different story. But she kind of kept it tied in with the Holocaust theme. Okay. So I think it's sisters, but different, a different time, different experience. So in 2018, this novel was nominated for the Goodreads Awards, and it got nominated for Best Historical Fiction and Best Debut Author, which I didn't realize this was her first book. So again, choosing debut authors is apparently what we do, their first books. (laughs) But also, what a concept for your debut novel. Wow. Well, from what I've read, she wasn't planning on doing a novel. She wanted to make a a movie, it seemed like. She wanted to screenwrite something. I did see that. I think because she was so enamored with his story and how detailed it was, I think she decided to put it into a novel instead. Okay. That's my assumption. Yeah, I did see somewhere that she originally had a screenplay in mind. Mm -hmm. But it actually was picked up for a TV series by Peacock. Oh, really? Okay. Production began spring of last year. Obviously, it got halted, I'm sure, with the strike. So there there hasn't been a release date yet. Wow, okay. Yeah, and they had like the casting. I meant to write it down, but I forgot. It wasn't like any super big names, but it was a common couple common actors. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually very excited to see how that does. It'll probably, I'm assuming, be like a limited series kind of thing. Probably like yeah. six episodes or something. Because the book is very detailed, so you can definitely create like a screen adaptation of this book. Yeah, and there's a lot of characters and they do give a, a lot, lot of, of characters. detail about mm-hmm. those characters. Hmm, okay. 
right? Yeah, I was, it's like hard to wrap my mind around, especially with historical fiction sometimes, because to me, like we've learned so much about the Holocaust and all of that in the past. And it's like, this book feels like it came out a long time ago, even though it didn't. And it's like, oh, and just recently, I didn't even realize TV series. And I didn't realize that it, yeah, I didn't realize like how recently this, this whole story became, I feel like it just became really big, like you said, like recently. Yeah. Because she only just wrote it. It's what was it, 2018 it was nominated mm-hmm. by Goodreads. So this is the first I had heard of it was last year. A friend's a friend had said his mom read it and okay. I was just starting to get into like historical fiction. So she said that that would be a good one to check out. Mm-hmm. And it was. It was a good book. So I'm very yeah. happy that it was <laughs> brought to my attention. Yeah, definitely. Okay. All right. So before I read off the description of the novel, I just want to bring up that while this is a historical fiction novel, it is loosely based on real events. So Heather wrote an author's note about this, and I figured I would just read it word for word because I think it describes it pretty decently. So this is a work of fiction based on the firsthand testimony of one Auschwitz survivor. It is not an authoritative record of the events of the Holocaust. There are many accounts that document the facts of that terrible history in far more detail than can be justified in a novel, and I would encourage the interested reader to seek them out. Lael encountered many more guards and prisoners during his time at Auschwitz-Birkenau than are described in these pages. In some instances, I have created characters that represent more than one individual and have simplified certain events. While some encounters and conversations here have been imagined, that the events in the story occurred largely as described is not in doubt, and the information presented as fact has been sourced and researched. So she did her, looks like she did her job mm-hmm. researching as best she could. It appears that in the novel, some of it is, I guess, I wouldn't say glorified, but made to be maybe more interesting. For yeah, the- like fictionalized to yes. make it easier to follow. Mm-hmm. I did see online that the son and her were having issues about like things that were untrue and all this stuff. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense because she's very open about the fact that it isn't true. So I, I wonder if that was when it was first coming out. Out because then even the the version that I have, I don't know for the same one that you have, he wrote the afterword for the book. So yes. he was obviously involved in I do have that version. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I also saw some reviews on Goodreads that people were upset that it wasn't that the, the, the novel was fictional. And I was kind of perplexed because it literally says that it's a base it's loosely based on real events, saying that this is like a nonfiction historical holocaust yeah. remembrance novel she literally took the details of this man's life and fictionalized it but also kept a lot of the details that are true Mm -hmm. i wonder if those people went into it thinking that it was something that it isn't and like she said there's so much material about the actual facts of the holocaust and Mm -hmm. about you know actual nonfiction books about it yeah that maybe that's just what they thought they were getting into and then afterwards they were disappointed that it wasn't that but she is pretty clear about it i know and the book is definitely more about you know love and survival than it is about the holocaust absolutely and i I agree i think people probably read the title and they think it's going to be heavily holocaust based which obviously it is but there's so Mm -hmm. much more to it than that Mm -hmm. so who knows people have opinions yeah we we have and we do too (laughs) so but i digress so all right so the description of the book on goodreads is in april 1942 Lael Sokolov, a Slovakian Jew, is forcibly transported to the concentration camps at Auschwitz-Birkenau. When his captors discover that he speaks several several languages, he is put to work as a tattooer. There's a German word Mm -hmm. for this that I'm not going to (laughs) attempt. I was thinking about it, but I was like, I looked up how to pronounce Birkenau, and I was was like, I'm not going to be able to pronounce the tattooer or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, tasked with permanently marking his fellow prisoners. Imprisoned for more than two Two and a half years, Lael witnesses horrific atrocities, but also incredible acts of bravery and compassion. Risking his own life, he uses his privileged position to exchange jewels and money from murdered Jews for food to help keep his fellow prisoners alive. One day, in July 1942, Lael, prisoner 32407, 
comforts a trembling young woman waiting in line to have the number 34902 tattooed on her arm. Her name is Gita, and in that first encounter, Lael vows to somehow survive the camp and marry her. A vivid, harrowing, and ultimately hopeful recreation of Lael's experience as the man who tattooed the arms of thousands of prisoners with what would become one of the most potent symbols of the Holocaust, the Tattooist of Auschwitz is also a testament to the endurance of love and humanity under the darkest possible conditions. Ooh, it's got me like tearing up hearing that. I know. It's really, it's a lot. Yeah, it definitely is a lot. And I I feel it's so hard to not emotionally relate to this book or feel, you just, you get so enamored by this story and obviously what this man went through and just the Mm -hmm. resilience is, there's no words for it realistically. Mm -hmm. It's just truly out of this world. And I think especially us living in the US, like, our history classes and the way that we learn about things like this, like it's presented as one, two, three facts. Uh-huh. You don't really get into the people who are there, the emotions behind it, the survivors, like it's more just something to learn. And then I think a lot of us as we get out of school, not that we forget about things like this, but we don't think about it in the same way. And this is just a really big reminder that whether this is fiction or not, there were real people existing and trying to hold on to some type of hope every single day. Agreed. And it's kind of, I almost wish I read a story like this in high school. Yeah. I really, I really do. I believe we read, what was it? The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. Was that a novel Mm -hmm. or something? Mm -hmm. I believe I had to read that for one of my classes, but this is just, it's very, it's a very emotional, gritty novel. And I, yeah, everyone needs to read it, honestly. Yeah, I I agree. I, um, (laughs) I'm going to like refer, I'm going to recommend this book from here on out. Oh, absolutely. And it's such a quick read. read. Mm -hmm. But when I was in college, I took as an elective an entire semester, a class on the Holocaust. That's specifically. And it was so informative. And I learned so much more that I had never learned in high school. And because I have, you know, Jewish ancestors, Mm -hmm. like it just I felt like it was my duty to learn more about it. Yeah, that's and it was fascinating. And like the teacher was awesome. Like it was just it could have been a really fucked up class. You know what I mean? But it actually I really enjoyed it is the wrong word. But But you know what I mean? I understand because it's a learning experience. Mm-hmm. It's a literally a piece of our history. And absolutely, there's nothing wrong with being interested in learning about it and understanding, I think, trying to put yourself in their shoes and understanding what they went through. And it's, mm-hmm. it's obviously the most tragic event ever. Yeah. And so. the fact that people still yeah. say that it wasn't real. We're not going to get into that. We're no, going to focus on the fiction. Not. I'm sorry. My fault. My fault. <laughs> I digress. Good. Let's get back to it. <laughs> So the novel begins with Lael riding through Europe in a train cramped in a cattle car with other Jewish men that are not knowing where they're headed. So Lael offered himself up once he heard that the Nazis were forcing Jewish families to give the government a child older than 18 to be put to work. Interesting. Just interesting. Forcing Jewish families, not suggesting or asking, mm-hmm. forcing families to yeah, give up a they child. Would be, they would be punished if they found out that a family had not offered up yeah. a child of age yeah so Lael he had a, a sister and a brother and he was like you know what I'll go don't worry about it because he wanted to be he always had an ambition to be a hard-working man anyways mm-hmm. so he was like I'll do it no problem unfortunately was not what he thought it was at all so when the train arrives at its destination SS officers force the passengers out yelling orders and Lael follows instructions since he doesn't want to be inflicted with the violence that he's witnessing on other men they're getting hit with the butts at the end of the rifles they're getting basically punched and or whatever like yeah what's actually what it says after they're herded into a building mm-hmm. the men wait for identification numbers to be tattooed on their arms and Lael learns he has actually arrived at Auschwitz so not some not even like a fancy job but not some hard-working job that he was anticipating the men are forced to strip naked and enter a large shower and their clothes are replaced by striped prisoner outfits and their heads are shaved he's escorted to a nearby location called Birkenau and assigned to block seven sharing a bunk with a handful of men the one thing I will say that whether it was true or not I really you really appreciate the camaraderie 
that these men had in this block. Mm -hmm. People are dying every day. They don't know if it's going to be their last, but they really, they come together during so many different events throughout this novel. And it's, even though they're going through hard times, it's nice to see that at least they found some resilience to come together when needed. Yeah, yeah. So the first act of true violence that Lael witnesses is late in the evening when he goes outside to relieve himself. He notices three prisoners at the ditch sitting quietly conversing. And then before he can approach them, he just sees two SS officers coming near and without warning they just shoot the three prisoners before casually moving on like oh. and this is his first, first night. night first night in the first camp. night and the the officers aren't shooting these men because they're outside of their bunk mm. they're literally joking smoking for, for cigarettes fun. and they're like oh i have a gun there's a person cool mm-hmm. the hatred is palpable yeah. absolutely the unruliness mm-hmm. is palpable yes that as well. So in that moment, Lael vows to himself that he will survive Auschwitz no matter what. So the next morning, Lael meets a man who is known as his capo or his boss, and he assigns Lael to work on the roof of a half-built building, and there Lael meets two Russian men, and this is the first instance where Lael learns the ropes of life in Auschwitz, and he begins to understand what the power structures at play in the camp are, and this comes in handy throughout his entire time at the camp. He Mm -hmm. uses what he learns to his advantage, realistically. Yeah. Definitely. And he actually, in that moment, realizes the opinion that people have of Jews, and that Mm -hmm. some won't even associate with him, even though they're all working in this camp, there is still this hierarchy, there's still, you know, different ways that they look at the different guards who are marked and the different Mm -hmm. workers who are marked. It's just, it's a whole, like you said, a whole structure within the camp. It is. There's different hierarchies and everything and Lael really without even like meaning to I feel like he just without even meaning to he really gets thrown into things and just kind of learns it as he goes but Mm -hmm. in a weird way in this terrible situation he kind of has luck on his side a majority of the time and it's wild It's actually wild. Yeah. This is some of the parts where you're like, okay, some of this has has to be be fictional. Like you're not this lucky. I know. Oh, just wait till you get to the end of the novel, because that was my favorite part. So after witnessing another terrible murder, Lael faints and later learns that he contracted typhus and was unconscious for days. And he discovers that a group of prisoners from Block 7 were caring for Lael at night. So like I said, the camaraderie of these men, basically when you contract a disease, they throw you onto a cart for the dead and dying. You could still be alive. It doesn't matter. You're getting thrown on the cart and you're basically taken to an unmarked grave, like with a bunch mm-hmm. of other people. So his he finds out that the men from Block 7 cared for him and, and kept him alive. Kept him alive and one of the men that helped him paid the price for it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, it was the first person he met on the train coming into camp, so it's it definitely affected Lael emotionally in that moment. And it's mind-blowing because why? Like mm-hmm. one more person living means less rations for each person surviving it means one extra person taking up space in that bed like yes there is that camaraderie and it's like how did they establish that so Mm -hmm. quickly like obviously Lael had this persona about him I was just gonna say that like what he must have had some kind of energy emitting off of him that men wanted to follow him in a sense or Mm -hmm. wanted him to to be here yeah I think it was like positivity too because probably a lot of people you know when they would ask him stuff he wouldn't give them like a smart ass answer or anything he would just be like just do what you're told just we'll make it through today mm-hmm. like it wasn't necessarily positive but it wasn't negative and that's yeah. something you know yes exactly so he meets Pepin who is the tattooer and he was caring for Lael during the day after witnessing a, you know a prisoner save Lael like I said from the cart mm-hmm. and then he offers Lael a job as his assistant since he can speak multiple languages and Lael hesitates at first not liking the idea of scarring unwilling people but he agrees and one day while retattooing a group of female prisoners he meets a woman who leaves a lasting impression on him and he committed her number to memory <laughs> this dude 
dude is like, I will find this lady in this camp. So it's like, when you think about it like that, it's a little creepy and uh-huh. like grooming he literally a met, little bit. He, I know. But... He met her for the entirety of what? Three minutes? If and that. it was just an encounter that clearly sat well with him, which is crazy. Anyways, mm-hmm. not long after this encounter, Pepin disappears. Where'd Pepin go? Do we, we ever know. find out? I don't think we ever find out. Pepin it must probably have... means it's not good news. I don't Pepin. think it's good news at all. So okay. Lyle becomes the official tattooer and he's assigned an officer to supervise him, Beretsky, and he's le- relocated to his own room in a different block of the camp and he receives extra rations of food. Mm-hmm. Wild. I never would have imagined that this was a thing that prisoners would get because he has this job of tattooing people. All of a sudden he's kind of considered, he's higher up on the hierarchy of the mm-hmm. prisoners. It's wild. And it's like, that's a whole thing throughout the book is that he has this guilt mm-hmm. of kind of being a co-conspirator yeah. with you know the soldiers yeah. because he's trying to save himself mm-hmm. and so that's why this guilt pushes him to help so many other people and put himself in danger mm-hmm. to help other people and it's literally because of that guilt because he is getting his own room are you kidding me it sounds know. amazing when i when i read that i it took me aback for a minute because mm-hmm. I didn't realize that that was a thing that happened yeah. in these camps. I just thought that these these prisoners were just treated like shit every day. Not that mm-hmm. he wasn't treated like shit, because obviously he was. But I didn't realize that there was some perks, I guess you could say. Which yeah. is, again, wild I'm even saying that. But anyways, like you said, Lael definitely deals with this guilt that he feels for having to kind of fraternize with the the bad men mm-hmm. and he s- smuggles his extra food to the fellow prisoners which is amazing mm-hmm. and he's helping these people survive he meets victor and yuri two local workers and he starts to barter with them which again i don't know how i'm assuming this probably has to be real because or it has to have some kind of truth to it mm-hmm. because this seems too far-fetched to be fictionalized in a sense does that make sense yeah and how else would he have been getting yeah all of the stuff he mm-hmm. was getting so he barters with them to get food and other goods and Lail says he'll find a way to pay them he doesn't want handouts he wants to he wants to, to pay them somehow for giving him all this all these things so he pays them with stolen jewels and money from two women whose job it is to go through the prisoner's former possessions which was also so baffling to me this is a crazy assembly line and they're just like letting diamond rings Mm -hmm. rubies jewels money just not even caring like why aren't the soldiers taking this for themselves and then we find out that some of the soldiers know about his little barter Mm -hmm. system and they get in on it and i'm like Mm y'all could just go and get the stuff yourself he's taking it from you i know it's it's crazy it's crazy it really is it's just this weird assembly line mm-hmm. like these women take the they pocket the stolen goods gives it to Lail. Lail takes it gives it to victor and yuri gets food brings food back and then shares it with so many fellow prisoners throughout the camp mm-hmm. and uses it as bribes mm-hmm. to get other things that he wants like mm-hmm. he he knows what he's doing yes he definitely does so Lail asks Beretsy's help to communicate with the woman from earlier, and he discovers her name is Gita. So they arrange to meet on Sundays, which is when the prisoners are allowed to mill about the grounds. It's like recess. They can just yeah. do what they wish. And be shot at any time. Exactly. So fun times. Gita is shy during their first encounter, but it is clear they have feelings for each other. This happens very quickly. <laughs> very, very quickly. <laughs> Like, some might say, too quickly. I am going to say this, and maybe it's because I'm a pessimist, but (laughs) I can't imagine how you're falling in love this quickly in a concentration camp. Mm -mm. I understand that it was something for Lael to hold on to. Yeah. But the way I just related more to Gita, where she's like, just trying to live to see the next day. Like, she couldn't see a future with this guy because... She doesn't even see tomorrow. Like, that's how dangerous and how volatile this whole situation Mm -hmm. is. Yeah. And she also won't tell Lael her last name because she doesn't want to share this information until they leave Auschwitz. That's kind of almost her little seed of hope in her that if she withholds this 
realistically not even important amount of information it's something so Mm -hmm. small just telling him her last name but she's she holds so firm onto that that i will not tell you my last name until we get out of here yeah i think it was like a twofold thing too it's like number one something that she tells Leia, like this is what you can look forward to Mm -hmm. but also i think that she didn't want to speak about her past life in the concentration camps because Mm -hmm. it's like she didn't want to taint her past with what she was going through then. You know what I mean? I completely agree. I think that's a really good representation. So at one point, Gita becomes ill with typhus and... Everyone's getting typhus. And Lael obtains medicine and gives it to Gita's friends to administer it to her. And in this moment, Lael realizes how much he cares about her. He is head over heels in love with this woman. He, it was for him, the literal definition of love at first sight. Yes. He had the smallest of interactions with this woman for their first encounter. And he was hooked line and sinker. He was just, Mm -hmm. I'm in it. I'm in it. This is the worst time of my life, but you are the bright spot. And I just need to like. And run with it. Also, I don't blame her for not believing him at first because mm-hmm. at that moment when especially when she's in line to be tattooed and the doctor is going through and picking out women seemingly at random and you know, removing them from the line, she's just had her head shaved. She they're all in these uniforms. Like mm-hmm. she feels like the worst possible version of herself. Absolutely. And she's like, uh, you fell in love with me then? Mm-hmm. Like I don't yeah, trust it. I know, which I, again, like I don't blame her because yeah. like you said, it's literally the worst she's ever been. Mm-hmm. How could you fall in love with me at my worst? But he did. He literally he sure did. did. That's that's love, baby. <laughs> I or know. obsession. Either way. <laughs> Who could say? <laughs> Who could say? So when Gita recovers, Lael insists that they will start a family one day and live free. And one of my one of my things that I like that he said, which is romantic. Romantic and cutesy. He's like, we will kiss and make love whenever the, whenever we want. And I was like, oh, that's sweet. Probably not going to happen, but sweet. You know, yeah. Gita's like understands that he really feels like this in his heart of hearts that they're going to survive and that they can have this time together alone. But she obviously has, she's very skeptical about mm-hmm. everything. Lael well, is like. It's got to be so frustrating because like his positivity has got to be a little fucking annoying sometimes. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> like, because there's no basis for him. Like, yeah, you can believe that you're going to survive, but there's literally no basis for them to ever think that they are getting out of there. No. So the fact that he's so insistent about upon it, I would be like, dude, you're not helping anything. Like, no. You're making no. it worse. <laughs> I know. And one of the instances that Lael uses bribery is he basically bribes Gita's capo with chocolate and other things so that these two can just spend time alone in a random bunk area and they're just doing it. They're banging. Lay- laying around naked. And I was shook. I mean, it- <sighs> I can't say that I'm fully i mean i i am surprised that's but i i'm not surprised that he found a way to infiltrate the system because i'm sure that it has it happens in real life in general especially in in real life prisons people always find a way to get what they want so oh i'm not surprised but this dude is fattening up this capo with chocolate Mm -hmm. but it's also like some of these soldiers had no real allegiance Mm -hmm. like they were just doing what they were told if you have a better offer i'm gonna listen to you if you have a better offer i'm gonna listen to you so and like you said it's the same in prison systems now it's like yes bribery works as fucked as that is and like he was doing it using it to have you know time with the love of his life but he could have been using it for oh my god horrible things yeah he absolutely could and they still would have gone along with it Mm -hmm. of course so eventually Lael comes back to his room and he discovers two Nazis that have found his stash of jewels and money which he kept under his mattress (laughs) I was like like, this is the end for our Lail. You should have been just, I mean, I'm sure carrying it around with him all the time would have also been terrible, but at least it's on your person and you know where it is at all times because people know what he's doing throughout the mm-hmm. camp. Mm-hmm. Soldiers, prisoners, anyone could rat him out at any time. There was a couple times where they said that he was getting sloppy, like where mm-hmm. he was still in the women's block yeah. later than he was supposed to be. And there's just, you know, and he or he would say the wrong thing to Beretsky or whatever, like there's a couple times where he's letting his feelings for Gita take his eyes off of the prize. You it know what clou- I mean? It like clouds his judgment a hundred percent. Exactly, exactly. So he's taken to one of the punishment blocks where basically prisoners are tortured and often executed. 
executed. So Lael is more or less thinking this is the end. He's he's done for, is mm-hmm. his assumption. So when the man who was sent to torture him arrives, Lael discovers it's actually a prisoner that he smuggled food to on his first day in camp. His name is Jacob. And Jacob really appreciated what Lael did for him that day. He was very hungry. And when Lael was tattooing him, he was like, okay, like you stay behind, like come meet me. And Lael like gave him some extra food just, mm-hmm. just because, because this was the kind of guy Lael was. Mm-hmm. And he encouraged him to basically do what Lael did and do yes. anything you need to do to survive. Yeah, exactly. Which got Jacob the, the job horrible the pr- job that he now has. Beating other fellow prisoners. So he tells Lael he'll try to go easy on him and make the punishment look look worse than it actually is when it happens yeah which holy shit Mm -hmm. if that's making it look worse yeah i know he still gets his ass kicked basically Mm -hmm. so jacob tells the nazis that lael does not know the names of the people who helped him smuggle in contraband and to his great surprise lael not only gets released but he returns to his previous posting as the tattooer this was the most unbelievable part yeah i was like because they even said no one leaves that torture chamber there was a part in the book that i saved because when Baretti comes back to get Lael and bring him back to the camp he literally says you know something tattooer i bet you're the only jew who ever walked into an oven and then walked back out of it oh my god yeah that uh oh then it says he laughs loudly slapping Lael on the back and strides off the head which you know yeah dick. but that because that I read... was when they went when he had to go into the crematorium mm-hmm. to identify the numbers mm-hmm. because they had a discrepancy with the numbers and i'm like that i mean that was one of the most powerful parts of the entire book for me that he walks into this room full of dead bodies like he can't even tell how many bodies there are because they're just all piled on top of each other and yep. tangled tangled all together and he just has to see it walk out and go about the rest of his day and hold on to that hope i get out of here one day like how yep it's it's crazy the things that he's gone through throughout this book and the fact that the fact that he got his job back as the tattooer i'm just like no and that they're not checking under his bed every single night like he he scales down the operation but he sure doesn't stop nope yep so rumors circulate that the russian army is advancing onto the camp and so the SS officers start to act nervous. They're quickly destroying the camp's documents. And <laughs> during this commotion, Gita and many other female prisoners are rushed through the gates during a snowstorm. And it's during this frenetic scene that she yells her last name to Lael, which is mm-hmm. Furman. So Gita Furman. Okay. Shortly after, Lael is put on a bus and the camp descends into mayhem. <laughs> and so he's one of the lucky people that actually, I use that with very like a great assault luckiness right. but he's taken to a new camp in austria and he wins over a guard by impressing him with his fluent german so the moral of this story definitely is that because Lael was so intelligent and could speak multiple languages it's basically what has saved his life this entire time mm-hmm. absolutely and he was able to camouflage himself mm-hmm. in some instances so that people didn't know that he was a jew at some points people didn't know where he was from and he was kind of able to be a little chameleon in that sense and be whoever he needed to be in order to win over yeah whoever was you know mm-hmm. in that moment so in this moment the guard is like do you want me to transfer you to a safer camp in Vienna? <laughs> and Lael's like, yeah, of course I do. Uh, sure. All right, cool. Of course I do. And so that story happens. And then we kind of get, uh, which was nice, a chapter in Gita's point of view. Mm-hmm. And so during that time that Lael was going, becoming buddies with yet another guard, Gita manages to escape with three Polish women and they seek help from a family in a nearby cottage and they're able to avoid Nazi scrutiny and they get help from Russian sh- soldiers who drive them to, to Krakow. I never know how Krakow. to pronounce that. Thank you. <laughs> from there, Gita travels to Braslavia, which is where she's from, right? I believe so. It's like the town next to where she's from because she's yeah. from a, a small town. Yes. Yeah. So back to Lael. At the concentration camp in Vienna, he escapes through a hole in one of the fences. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> 
he climbs under the fence and just walks away. Yeah. And it's it's so mind-blowing. Not only the different concentration camps, because they do mention that a couple times, like even yeah. the guards talking about, oh, this one is much more strict. You're not allowed to have mm-hmm. beer and cigarettes. And this, you know what I mean? Like they obviously had different levels of horrors and treatment, etc. But then the fact that he just ends up at a place where he can escape and it's also in the timing of where mm-hmm. things are starting to collapse and yeah. you know things are starting to not come to an end because there's still time to go but things are more tumultuous mm-hmm. I agree so after he escapes through the hole he comes upon a group of Russian soldiers who take him as prisoner and here we go again because Lael can speak so many languages they bring him to a chalet that they turn into a headquarters and they make him a liaison between the soldiers and women in town because even in the 1940s men were gross (laughs) yep and even in the 1940s women did what they had to do to survive absolutely can't can't blame them for that at all nope so lael would be given food and shelter and fine clothes which i didn't talk about it but lael loved fine clothes this Mm -hmm. dude loved a suit loved a suit felt like a, a real man in a suit So Mm -hmm. he was very pleased that he was able to go back into this kind of clothing. So in exchange, he had to bribe the local women into coming to the chalet for parties and Lael would offer them jewels and money to spend the night. Which when they first start explaining this job, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so hard. The first day, Lael's going to have an issue and they're going to threaten to kill him and it's going to be like this close call. No. He walks into the town. He's like, hey, anyone want to come party? And they're like, yeah, we know why you're here. I know. And we want to come. Give me them jewels. Um, pick me up at six. I'll be there. I know. Can't I wait thought, to see you. I thought it was going to be this whole thing where he was going to get punished for like not mm-hmm. getting women. But they, like you said, literally knew They're what was up. going on. And yeah. they, they want that money. Mm-hmm. If we have to go hang out with some Russian soldiers for a few hours just to get paid. Sure, we'll mm-hmm. do it. And they say it outright. Like mm-hmm. in order to have some good food for a night. Yeah, we'll put up with the company of those men. We know that, that this is what we have to do mm-hmm. to survive. And we're going to do it. And yep. I was like, hell yeah. So not surprisingly, Lael chars- charms the soldiers. And they trust him enough to drive into town on his own. Basically, Lael seizes this opportunity to escape. And he drives into town. And this is the part that kind of confused me, whether it's real or not. He just parks the car, but then steals a bike. Yeah. And sets like, off. Like so a in- bicycle. So instead of just taking the car and just driving it to wherever he wants to go, he's, I guess because he don't want to get captured he just leaves the car there and is like i'm just gonna steal this bike like i agree that the car is obvious yes it's like a big red flag waving but he would get there faster than he would on the bike i know exactly and somehow he has this grueling journey but he makes it back home and he discovers that his sister is still alive, which is amazing in mm-hmm. itself that he still has family that survived. But he does find out that his older brother died and that nobody knows what became of their parents. Mm-hmm. So that's heartbreaking. That whole part of the book was difficult to read, but I'm happy for him that at least he had some family mm-hmm. that he was able to reunite with. Yeah, because at the beginning, he thought that him volunteering for this mm-hmm. work would be sparing the lives of his family. And yeah. he really, I mean, obviously, the longer he was there, he realized that that wasn't the case, but that really kept him going at the beginning. I know. And if I recall correctly, the parents got taken away. What was it, like the day after or something yeah, like that? Yeah, I think so... it, it was very soon after. Terrible. Mm-hmm. So did Determined to find Gita, he goes to Bratislava, and while walking through the town one day, he spots Gita. Just sees her in the streets. <laughs> I mean, understatement, because he's stalking I know. this train <laughs> he's schedule. He's looking up, like, the Red Cross and literally at the train. Yeah, like you said, stalking the train schedule. <laughs> but still, this is, like, oh, I know. all of Europe that we're talking about. I know, I know. So they both fall to their knees, declaring their love, and Lael asks her to marry him, to which she says, yes, I will. The end. (laughs) I mean, it's so complex. It is. It's so horrible because they have these moments, especially when they're in her bunk and they're having, you know, talking about their future and they're doing their post-coital cuddling. Mm -hmm. And there are people being burned by the thousands, by the hundreds of thousands. Mm -hmm. And the ashes are raining down on them. And 
it's so it's such a complicated thing that with all of that going on they were still able to hold on to that hope in each other like I, I get it I totally get it that they needed that hope to hold on to but it's like the idea of it and the actual act of it are two very different things you know I agree so typically we'll kind of do like discussion questions but instead I wanted to discuss the themes that Mm -hmm. were in this book because I felt like that was the best way to to go about this one so the first theme is survival and morality so this novel is a pretty good examination of the lengths to which people go in order to survive harrowing terrible experiences Mm -hmm. and even though the circumstances are bleak and it can make it difficult to follow a strict moral compass some actions are certainly more justifiable than other so for instance Lael being the tattooer he doesn't want to do it but he also knows that that he will not harm these people mm-hmm. that are coming through to get tattooed and he can't say the same for someone else that might right. have the job. He'd rather have it in his hands, that yes. power. And also having this job in the camp helped him survive as long as he did as well. Absolutely. And helped Gita survive uh-huh. and helped several of the men that he originally met. And just like the sheer number of people who were being brought into these camps. And then you start to see the dynamics of prisoners who were there earlier so like the you know the Jews who came in with Mm -hmm. Lael then once the Hungarians came in people were pissed that they Mm -hmm. were coming into their bunks and trying to share space with them and they're like we've been here so much longer than you Mm -hmm. and then even the Romani people yeah they set up their own little community and even though they obviously come to a very horrible tragic end yeah the relationship that Lael had with them and he's like these are people that I never would have even associated with people mm-hmm. that I would have crossed the street if I saw you yep. coming and they agreed they uh-huh. said the same thing but he really appreciated how the kids would still play and the the women would take care of other children that weren't just their own like he saw these communities and he saw that they were focused on survival too even mm-hmm. with this bleakness and you know horrible acts that were going on all around them mm-hmm. yeah survival is definitely the most prominent theme mm-hmm. of this book hands down mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another theme is faith, love, and optimism. Mm-hmm. And this is basically, it showcases the way in which hope fuels resilience. Lael's love for Gita is 100% what pushes him. It's it's this power within him that he doesn't know he has or had the ability to feel. And it makes him want to survive. He always wanted to survive, I'm sure. That's a no-brainer. But this makes him want to survive even more because he mm-hmm. wants that future with Gita. He wants that life. Mm-hmm. And he wants, at first, he wants to live to see the people punished. Yes. And that is his motivation. Mm-hmm. And that part that you're talking about where that first night and he sees those men, you know, yeah. gunned down and he says, I'm I'm going to walk out of here. I'm going to walk out a free man. He says, if there's a hell, I will see these murderers burn in it. Yep. So that was his original motivation. And the worst part is that even though they did end up walking away from and surviving the camps, they were never truly free. No. For the rest of their lives. No. Yeah, it's true. Another big theme is definitely knowledge and power mm-hmm. like we just we've been talking about the hierarchy throughout the the camp and where certain people rated on a scale so because of Lael's knowledge of all these languages he could speak like I said they benefited him during this terrible time in history he was able to survive longer than he should have definitely mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he uses his inside knowledge to benefit other prisoners he's taking his extra rations of food smuggling them out to these other prisoners helping them them survive another day mm-hmm. because you know that they're barely getting any food and this is this literally could, him giving something to, to someone that one day could have saved their life they could Absolutely. have been on the brink of death and he's or again kind of like that hope they could have been just so destitute and didn't believe they were going to survive and mm-hmm. then it's like have some extra bread and it's just a small act like that I could see definitely making someone want feel that feel that kind of hope in a sense that yeah. if he's able to do this maybe there is a way out of it and to see that there's still some humanity left because mm-hmm. you see these soldiers who have no qualms about shooting someone for no reason and then at the end of the day there's someone else who's also starving and they're giving you some of their food and at first when he was bringing the extra food to his old block and he said at first like 
I don't know. I don't want them to mm-hmm. be fighting over it. And it might yeah. lead into, you know, it, it might end badly, basically. But it didn't. They ended up, you know, he was so proud that these men yeah. who that little bit extra was still not enough. And they were still divvying it up and sharing mm-hmm. it. And like you said, that seeing that humanity could give someone that hope to yeah. survive just one more day. Yeah. And he even like, I think says he doesn't know how often he can really do this, how he can bring the extra food, but he's going to do it whenever he can. And mm-hmm. it's an amazing thing that he's mm-hmm. doing. Because again, if he got caught, he would be executed immediately. Oh, so- absolutely. And just the fact of how smart he was at mm-hmm. manipulating people, like he has Beretsky on his back who is trigger happy as hell. Oh, yeah. Would love to shoot him. Mm-hmm. And he plays him like a fiddle. Like yes. he... Uh-huh. There's times where he's like mocking him by what he says and Bretsky has no idea. He's just like, oh, oh yeah, no. good one, man. Ha, ha, ha. Like, <laughs> and I'm just like, this dude is gonna shoot you. Shut I, up. I know. It's true. And then also his capacity to you know manipulate the knowledge that he has to his to his advantage like bribing the female soldier to get that extra time with Gita Mm -hmm. kind of like you said being in a way mocking Baretsi when he shouldn't but Mm -hmm. he discovers that this dude is not smart but then also he kind of feels that guilt of talking to him about personal things as well Mm -hmm. like his girlfriend and things like that. And it's interesting in itself that Boretsky also is willing to help Lael. That's the weird for instance, thing. Yeah, when to communicate with Gita. Yeah, I think it was like a, a power thing. Like, yeah. I can help you and then tomorrow I can decide not to. Yeah. But it seems like he was, he treated Lael better than I would have expected. And I don't know if that was, fic- if that was one of the parts of the novel that was more fictionalized, but. Right. But it's still interesting, that kind of dynamic that they had. Exactly. And you have to think like, yes, Bretsky loved having this power over him and loved this imbalance of power where he's obviously in charge. But it also came across that he was a lonely guy, mm-hmm. that he was young, that he didn't really have that much worldly knowledge so it's like in a way i wonder if he felt like lael was not not a companion but like he got used to having him around you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so it kind of became like a normal thing and then he would remember oh wait i'm in charge of you yeah but still you know what i mean it was this interesting relationship that they had as terrible as he was as as a person Mm -hmm. in this book their relationship was an interesting dynamic to me 100 Mm -hmm. Mm percent so yeah those were the themes that i saw throughout the story is there anything else that you wanted to discuss or add on yeah there's a couple things we already talked about it a little bit but i think lael knowing how he could manipulate all these people and knowing what he had to do to get what he wanted and then a lot of times for gita it was clouding his judgment which we talked about but when he got her the job in the administration building and afterwards he was like oh i wonder if the people in her block are going to be pissed that she has this administration job now Mm -hmm. and they're gonna retaliate against her like he didn't even consider that until after the fact and then the other time where he has her female soldier go and like retrieve her from the administration Uh building to bring her to the to the block and she's like are you kidding me like i thought that i was being walked out to my death like that was so selfish of him and he didn't think about it he no all he thought was i need to see her and so a lot of times it was it's a miracle they got out of there because Mm -hmm. like we said luck was on his side 100 percent somehow some way he definitely Mm -hmm. had luck on his side because there were so many instances throughout this novel that he should not have survived exactly and the only other thing is we talked a lot about the relationship between gita and lael but i also loved the friendship between dana ivana and gita Mm -hmm. i mean they literally nursed gita back to health yeah and i don't think any of them would have survived without each other like they they held on to each other every day and even when they were like walking around like linking arms Mm -hmm. and they got in trouble for it it's like for just a moment it helped them forget where they were yep and then even when uh dana thanks lael and lael thanks dana for you know taking care of gita like it was just a really underrated part of this book Mm -hmm. you know what i mean yes i i agree that was one of the beautiful parts Mm -hmm. of this book 
was that friendship between those women. And one of the more believable parts, I will say. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point, too. (laughs) So typically, when we do a rating, we do some, you know, fun thing. I didn't for this one because I kind of felt insensitive. So mm-hmm. I'm just keeping it stars out okay. of five stars because I think that's fair for this novel. It was, you know, based on a horrific event and I gave it five out of five stars. I literally finished this book in one day. It's not very hard. I know it's only like over 200 pages and you probably do 400 pages a day, but whatever. For me, I was happy. It's not a competition. <laughs> we know. For me, I, I literally finished this book in one day. Like I was reading it at work. And then I came home and had to finish it that night because I was just so enraptured with this book mm-hmm. and learning about the history and just this story, no matter what's real and what's false, it was a beautiful story regardless. Mm-hmm. The love and the survival, the hard times, everything about it, it was, it made me feel, it made me like emotional. Like it was just, it hit me hard. It was a really, mm-hmm. really well-written book. I agree. I also rated this five stars. Mm-hmm. I think... It's a complicated one to rate because, like you said, this is about a horrible, horrible time in history. This is about something that it's hard to look at it and say that this book made you feel hopeful or made you feel good or Mm -hmm. whatever. But when you take a step back and you just look at it for like the broader picture of focusing on survival and fighting for that every single day when all of the odds are stacked against them. Yeah. And it it has you questioning your own own morals of Mm -hmm. or your own values of what you would do in that situation because yes he did work with the enemy and yes he did you know bribe these horrible people so that he could get what he wanted but he also gave back and helped other people it wasn't just a love story if it was just this love at first sight escalating quickly banging in the bunks like I don't think I would have liked it as much But when you look at the whole picture and you realize that like, yes, there are people who did survive and they had to go through more horrible things than this every single day. Uh I don't know how I feel about writing a fictionalized book about, you know, such a horrible thing in history. But after reading it, I did really enjoy it. Yeah, I think you know what I mean? I think it's true in the author's note or wherever I had seen it or I saw it online, the uh, reading about the author that Lael did have a story worth telling. Mm-hmm. He 100% did. Anybody from that time, I feel like all their stories are valid and worth telling. So mm-hmm. at least we got to we got to put ourselves in that position and witness what he went through. Mm-hmm. And as much of it is fictionalized or not, he's still a survivor mm-hmm. and he still yep. made it out the other side, yeah. which is amazing all on its own. So I'm really glad you picked this one, Heather. Yeah, I was unsure at first. Me and I'm, I'm really happy that we read it. <laughs> like I said, I had heard good things about it and ironically i had said to you i was like when is like the holocaust remembrance and it is in january so that worked out Mm -hmm. very well Mm -hmm. so if you're listening to this on the day it comes out thursday january 4th i believe that's correct our giveaway that i had discussed briefly on the december bookish banter and more episode will start this Friday the 5th and the entries will be valid until Monday evening. I don't know what time yet. Look at the Instagram. I will have all the details posted, what we are doing and how to enter, what you'll get if you win the giveaway. Again, it's just to kind of show our appreciation for all the listeners that we've had this past year. And yeah, I think that sum- about sums it up. So that's all we have for you today. If you like what you heard, please make sure to follow, subscribe, and rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you use. If you have any book recommendations or questions for us, you can email us at fullybookedcalfpod at gmail.com. Also be sure to follow us on TikTok and Instagram at fullybookedcalfpod to see our upcoming reads. So thanks for checking us out. And remember, if you need us, we're fully booked. Bye! <laughs>